1: Episode 42, Retiring Early. Hey Chainers, and welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. I'm your host, Dennis O'Brien.
2: And I'm Katie Welsh.
1: Alright Katie, so today we're interviewing Tanya, and Tanya retired early super early before she was 40 years old
2: oh what a lucky duck
1: (laughs) (laughs) well it's actually a lot more achievable and it's happening more and more these days actually people that take money seriously and live below their means can really actually retire early i know it sounds so far away but it's true
2: yeah dan i hope that first that we are able to do that and I feel like there are two types of people. There are the people who do be- live below their means, and then there are other people who just spend money like there's nothing going, nothing else to save for.
1: Yeah, I-, I think when it comes to a relationship, like you have to both be on the same page about your financial goals.
2: Yeah, the spender and the saver need to come together and have kind of like a common ground and be able to work towards something together because if you're not working towards it together then you're kind of just frustrating each other and making it more stressful
1: yeah and it's super easy for someone to say the spender to literally go and create havoc (laughs) so you have to have that understanding
2: right and nothing good comes out of that So are you ready to talk to Tanya?
1: Yeah, let's dive right into our interview. Welcome to Chain of Wealth. Here's your
0: host, Dennis, inspiring you to begin your journey of financial freedom.
1: Hey, Chainers, and welcome to another edition of Chain of Wealth. Today, we have Tanya Hester with us. Tanya is the author of the blog, OurNextLife.com. She is a long-life communications strategist, an insatiable reader, and autophile, an obsessive searcher for the best gluten-free beers and baked goods, a one-time mathlete, and a former yoga and spinning teacher, and still a certified health coach. Tanya, along with her husband, Mark Bunky, was formerly known by their blogging pseudonyms Miss O&L and mister o and they retired at the end of 2017 at the meager ages of 38 and 41. Tanya also has a podcast, The Fairer Sense. Welcome, Tanya.
0: Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here.
1: excited to have you on the show. So first off, I have a really pressing question for you, and it might save the world as we know it. What's (laughs) your favorite flavor of ice cream?
0: Oh my gosh. Well, you hinted at the gluten-free beer and baked goods part. I found out almost six years ago that I have celiac so um, I will tell you my favorite flavor is cookies and cream but I have yet to find a an acceptable gluten-free version of that so I haven't actually had my favorite flavor of ice cream in almost six years which is slightly tragic. Oh no I know <laughs> that's
1: like a heartbreaking story. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I know the struggle is real. Um, <laughs> I, I would say of the flavors I can eat, there is this um, pretty incredible uh, chocolate mudslide made by Tillamook ice cream that really tastes like a very expensive ice cream, but is is in the lower price point. So that is probably my current favorite. Ah,
1: I'll have to try that out sometime. <laughs> yeah. Highly recommend. <laughs> awesome. So let's discuss 2017 and 2018. It's been too of the quite more bigger years for you guys lately. So first off in 2018, you're going to be celebrating your 10 year anniversary. So congratulations on that. Thank you. And secondly, 2017, you retired at 38 years old. So tell me a bit about that and how it's possible to only retire at 38 years old. What is your secret? Did you get some massive inheritance or what was your trick?
0: Uh, No, no, um, Inheritances of any size. Um, thankfully, all of our parents are still around, and and we're not expecting to get anything from them. Um, <laughs> my husband, Mark, and I have been really fortunate to earn you know above average incomes. We've we've had very demanding careers that have really required us to be present and available at all times for uh, many years now, even though we're retiring young, we still had our jobs for a very long time. Him almost 20 years, me about 16. And... We realized maybe ten years ago or so that we really could save at a much higher rate than we were saving by just not letting our lifestyle inflate, and by um, you know, as we got raises each year, or if we got bonuses, if we banked those bonuses, and if we capped our spending and saved the difference, that we could actually start to save really quickly. And we realized that back when we were living in Los Angeles, we live in the Lake Tahoe area of California now, um, but back when we were in LA, we were interested in buying our first place, but prices there were crazy high, and even though we earned good incomes. We still felt like we were never going to be able to buy. And so we realized kind of the, that if we could head off lifestyle inflation, we could save and actually be able to afford to buy a home. And so we did, we bought our first place actually um, about nine years ago um, after saving for a few years in a really focused way. And then after we'd bought that place, we kept saving because we had just gotten into a good habit at that point. And, and to be honest, a lot of that saving was totally automated. So I'm a huge fan of hiding money from ourselves. Like we are not naturally frugal. We would spend money if we had it. We love to go out to eat. We love to travel. Those are the things we would easily spend on as well as probably some outdoor gear. We have a garage that looks a bit like an REI. Um, (laughs) but we, we just kind of, Translated the saving for home into a saving for what then turned into what we call our forever home, our home up here in Tahoe, which is where we live full time now. And then after we bought this place, then we we funneled those good habits into saving for early retirement. And so for the last six years since we moved up here has has really been our, our saving for early retirement phase and again like it didn't ever feel like we were saving necessarily or scrimping because we really just tried to keep ourselves at a consistent level of spending and then each year as we earned a little more we got another bonus we sucked that money away we in fact had a lot of it so that we never were aware that we had that money like I've helped I, for a long time, had my paycheck split so that a big chunk of each paycheck just went to savings and I never saw it. And then we had other things set up like automatic investments into our brokerage accounts or our mutual funds. And... That way, we just never saw the money sitting and checking. So we never missed it. We never felt like we had to make this decision of like, okay, I could buy this thing or we could save for early retirement. We just let it happen automatically and invisibly. And for us, that was that was really the secret. And then at that point, like once you get into a good savings habit and you're investing money, then it's just a waiting game. It's just like you need to work a lot long enough to let some of that money pile up and also to let compounding do its job. So there's been truly no magic to it other than just recognizing that we could contain our lifestyle and avoid lifestyle inflation and automate it. And that's really the whole secret.
1: I love that you call it lifestyle inflation. I was actually chatting to another guest uh, quite recently and he referred to it as lifestyle creep. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and you know, it's something that it's so easy to do. You just like, you start ending, earning a little bit more money and you think to yourself, well, I've earned this, you know? And I think that that is how so many people end up spending just so much money each and every month because they have to keep up with the Joneses. They keep trying to go bigger and better than what they can do and living above their means. And at the end of the day, they look back after 20, 30 years and they say, where did all my money go? Why am I not ready to retire?
0: Yeah. And I think to your point, saying that thought of, oh, I I deserve this or I've earned this, I don't even know that it's always that conscious. I know, like for us, when we were living in L.A., once we got above the point where we weren't having to watch every dollar, you know, like once our, our incomes got to a level where we had a little bit more than we needed, for us, it really just manifested as like not paying attention. And so, whereas when I was just out of college and earning a very entry level salary, I was going into the grocery store with a budget. I, at some point that just morphed into going into the grocery store and saying like, okay, what do we want right now? And it, there was never a moment of like, yeah, I can spend more because I work hard. It was just like, Oh, yeah. Like those apples look really good. I, oh, I didn't notice that those are the three dollar a pound apples instead of the one dollar a pound apples. And like, oh, that that cut of meat looks nice or whatever. Like that was how it manifested for us. So I think it does take some real mental work to recognize some of the patterns that you fall into and to consciously choose to reverse them. Because, yeah, that creep or that inflation or whatever you want to call it, I do think it's real and, and it's often not something that we recognize at all.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. And I think something that you, you, spoke, you spoke about earlier is hiding away money so that you never really it coming into your account. I think that's a great way to force yourself to save. And I like to live by always pay yourself first, because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, everyone else is going to take their stab. So you may as well get yours while you
0: can. <laughs> For sure. I, I think paying yourself first, and especially if you can do it in an automated way like we have is, is really the secret. And I think for those who especially don't consider themselves naturally frugal or aren't inherently inclined to save, I think that that's that is completely the way to go. And you can also experiment with it. So you can maybe start out with just like $50 or $100 out of each paycheck. And before too many months pass, you'll see like, oh, I actually saved enough maybe to take a trip or to do something. And if your goals are more long term, maybe you get a little bit more ambitious. But the interesting thing is to start small and then gradually ratchet it up, which I think is, is a big part of what we did. We never said like, OK, we're spending X amount now and we're going to cut that in half. We just started creeping up gently the amount we were putting away each month so that each month it was a little more, or maybe each quarter it was a little more, so that it never felt painful. We never felt like sacrificing. And therefore it didn't, you know, it's like use the diet analogy. If you all of a sudden really restrict your calories, you're gonna feel miserable, you're gonna be focused on how hungry you are, on how much more you wish you could eat. And but if instead you just cut out like fifty or a hundred calories a day, you're barely going to notice that. And I think that's what we would really advocate for monetarily. So that it's something you can stick to long term. It's a habit that's sustainable and not something that you're constantly wanting to rebel from.
1: Definitely makes sense. So you no longer at work. So what are you doing with oil time?
0: Yeah. We are still pretty new at this early retirement thing. So I would not claim to have all the answers. But you know, I I write my blog, Our Next Life, and work on the podcast The Fair Sense, which you mentioned at the top. Thank you. And We are in winter right now. So we've been trying to ski as much as we can. We live in Lake Tahoe pretty much for the purpose of being able to ski. And we finally got a little snow. So that was nice. Uh, We just got done with a trip to Taiwan, which was amazing. We hope to take several international trips a year. We're we're not trying to do like the super long six month trip or anything like that, probably more like three to six weeks at a time. Um, But getting to see more of the world and a little bit more slowly than we've been able to while working. And then, yeah, like, honestly, a lot of it we're trying to keep pretty open-ended because we just want to figure out like what we want to do when we grow up.
1: Yep. That totally makes sense. So let's chat a little about ournextlife.com. What's your vision for the site and where do you plan for it to be in five years?
0: It really started as a chronicle of our journey to early retirement. I started about three years ago. So about halfway through our really focused savings time. And it started just to keep track of it so that when we got to the end, we'd be able to look back and figure out like, oh, what was that like? What were we feeling at different times? It really quickly evolved into so much more and just kind of a place to think through a lot of the financial pieces of early retirement, but also some of the pieces that are a lot less financial. Like I think to be honest, anyone who tells you that early retirement math is complicated, is is overselling it. It's, it's actually pretty simple. It's really like live below your means, save the rest. If the bigger A difference you can create between what you earn and what you spend, the faster you can save and the sooner you can make your exit. It's that part's really not hard. But there are a lot of things to think through, like how will you derive meaning from your life or a sense of purpose if you don't have a job to go to? How will you get your health care without an employer? Especially in the States where that's really complicated right now and, and still pretty expensive. You know, things like that we started really diving into deeply. And so I just want to keep writing it. I really love writing. It's a great creative outlet for me. It's also just really wonderful to connect with the community of folks. There is a really good early retirement uh, community right now, which, which is lovely to be a part of. And so five years, I don't know, I don't have any grand ambitions for it. I definitely like to do a few more podcasts that kind of spin out of that. But beyond that, again, I think like really my goal right now is to try to keep as much of life open-ended as possible.
1: Awesome. I absolutely love that. So if you could go back and you're 23 years old again, and you've just finished studying, would you do anything different the second time around? Or would you follow the same sort of plan?
0: Oh my gosh. No, I totally would. (laughs) (laughs) I, I hinted that, you know, we are not naturally frugal at all. I think like in my case, I would say to myself like never set foot in target i feel like <laughs> i feel like when i was in my early 20s i did so much impulse buying at target and some of it was to try to make my house look more grown up and some was just like dumb, you know, just dumb purchases that I didn't need. And I would say probably over half of what I've decluttered over the years is, you know, junk from Target. And so just don't set foot in there. The things you need, you can buy elsewhere or you can get them on Amazon or whatever. Um, But that would be, I think, the first thing. And then I really would have liked myself to have gotten into a better savings habit earlier. My husband, Mark, was amazing at saving in his 401k from a really early age, but it took me a little bit longer. And so my balance is quite a bit lower than his. Ultimately, with our pooled resources, it doesn't matter. It's not going to sink us, but it certainly would be nice to have a bigger cushion there for our later years. So I think that get in on the 401k sooner, maybe do some Roth while you're still at a lower income. And yeah, don't go to Target.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love that. (laughs) (laughs) So do you have any tips for people that think they'll never retire? They feel like they like lifestyle creepers kicked in. Like, how would you recommend people try and scale back a bit?
0: Yeah. I, I think that that first you are not alone. Most people think that they are never going to be able to retire. And most people think that they're going to work forever. They're is an interesting gap there though between the age when people expect to retire, which is about 67 or even later, and the age at which most people do retire, which is closer to 62, which tells us that for most people, they don't actually get to retire when they want for a variety of reasons. Maybe they get sick, maybe they have to care for a loved one, maybe they get downsized and can't find a new job. And so there are a lot of reasons to really take the need to be financially independent, seriously. But the good news is I actually think it's it's a lot easier than most people imagine. The biggest thing to change is that most people, most of us are spending pretty mindlessly and don't actually know where all our money goes or how it contributes to our happiness. So I think just taking a step of tracking all your spending through something like Mint or YNAB, you need a budget or personal capital, like there are a whole bunch of sites now that will let you look at your spending in granular detail. Um, or you can do it the old fashioned way and just like look at your bank statement, look at your credit card statement and tally that stuff up, but, but start to scrutinize your purchases. Like first just know where it's going and then start to look at like, okay, here's how much I'm spending on each line item. I'm spending whatever, $500 a month on clothes or on coffee or whatever it might be. And then ask yourself, like, how does this contribute to my happiness in life or my well being in some way? And when you look at it that way, it actually becomes very easy to find things to cut. Like if you have subscriptions that you aren't using those are no brainers to eliminate, but things like saying, okay, if I'm spending money on clothes, like, am I actually happier or is it fleeting happiness? Do I feel happy because of the purchase of the clothing item, but then I quickly forget about it. Things like that. And, and I think if you do something like a declutter or like a Con Mary, um, I'm actually slightly skeptical of decluttering methods because I think they contribute a lot of waste. And I think often people end up repurchasing a lot of that stuff. But if you just sort of like Know what your belongings are, know where your money's going, know how it's contributing to your happiness. It becomes so much easier to scale that back and to just get a handle on it. I think that I think the biggest thing is really just getting a very close handle on where your money's going, how it's contributing to your happiness, cutting back on the things that really don't boost your happiness. But then I think continuing to spend, maybe in some cases, shamelessly on the things that you do. I think the Mistake that a lot of folks make is assuming that in order to do something like retire early or even just to retire securely at the traditional retirement age, that you have to live a very miserly, frugal life. And that's really not true at all. It's just about spending on the things that really add value to your life and prioritizing those things and then cutting out the stuff that's just sort of the mindless convenience spending or the the stuff that just doesn't ultimately make you any happier.
1: Totally makes sense. Chainers, we're just going to take a quick break and then we'll dive right back into the value land ground. Chainers, did you know that we have a free group on Facebook for anyone that's trying to tackle a massive amount of debt? If you'd like to join this group, just head over to chainofwealth.com slash group. There you'll be redirected to Facebook and you'll be able to join our debt-free community. There we are encouraging people to become debt-free and we want to know all about your story, how much you're paying off, how much you're how you're doing along your journey. And you can really talk to a lot of other people and realize you're not in this alone. So many people are in the same boat. And sometimes it's just really refreshing getting to talk to other people with the same goals. That's chainofwealth.com slash group. So, Tanya, why do you think that people fail at achieving their dreams?
0: oh, gosh, this is like a whole sociological question. Um, <laughs> yeah. <very laughs> I'll avoid like, yeah, like, going into that stuff. But I think, you know, like there are things in society that don't necessarily set people up to succeed in every instance. Or, you know, some of the data say, for example, that if if neither of your parents went to college, you are much less likely to go yourself. So I think that there's some of that stuff that's just systemic, that is invisible to a lot of folks, but is really important and does impact a lot of lives. But I think if you look look at just the individual level. I mean, I think like not seeing good examples of success in your life is a big reason. If if you don't have access to people who've done some things that maybe you'd aspire to, and you can't ask them questions, or you can't even just sort of like see how they live their lives. It's hard to envision something like that for yourself. And I really do think envisioning where you want to be is a really important piece of achieving that goal. I think the next piece is not having a clear idea of how you're going to get to your goal. So, just sort of like not knowing the steps. And sometimes the steps aren't always obvious. Sometimes they are, but it always takes some homework or some research to figure out, okay, how do I get from point A where I am now to point B where I want to be? And are there multiple paths I could take to get there? Or is there just one path that I need to follow? And then the last thing I think is systems, having systems that help you succeed, I think is really critical. And I think a lot of folks don't have those in place. I know I sure didn't before we really got serious about saving. And I just always assumed that because I wasn't naturally inclined to save, I wasn't naturally frugal, I was going to fail. But really what it was is I just hadn't figured out how to pay myself first yet or how to automate the savings. And for me, that was the system that I needed that ultimately made me successful, made me and Mark together able to retire early. Um, But I don't, think that that's necessarily obvious that you need that. So I think figuring out whatever it is that you need to be accountable or that you need to help you reach your goals, there is no shame in finding systems to help you.
1: Totally with you. And I think that makes so much sense. Do you have a favorite quote you like to live by?
0: Um, it's it's less a quote than just sort of an idea. Um, in my office I, at home, I keep a picture of Julia Child on my wall. And I think that Julia Child is just like a wonderful, inspiring human. And uh, the book that she wrote, My Life in, in France, is really wonderful. But the main thing is she didn't even learn how to cook until she was in her 40s. And she became this huge cultural icon in America. She revolutionized how American housewives especially cooked and introduced most of America to French cooking, which was a new thing back then. Um, but she did all of that without having cooked much at all before she was in her 40s. And so to me, that is just a lesson that it's never too late to follow your dreams or to discover a new dream. And that's a big part of why for me, early retirement is very much about keeping things open-ended and not going in and saying, okay, here are the 10 things I want to do this year. It's like, let's just see what comes. Like maybe we're going to discover something totally new and amazing that we had no idea about before. So I think it's important to allow space for that in your own life.
1: Yeah. Otherwise you'll just be miserable. (laughs) You have to really take the time to sort of figure out what's right for you really.
0: Yeah, totally. Or just like not assuming that because you were good at something as a kid, that that's like the thing you should do. Like there, there are always new things unfolding. And so keeping yourself open to those opportunities, I think is really the the secret to happiness in life.
1: I love that. So do you have any other books or podcasts that you could recommend to our listeners?
0: Uh, Absolutely. I really love the book Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. I think whether you think of yourself as creative or not, it's a really wonderful, quick, easy read kind of self-help book that is really geared at welcoming more creativity into your life. And I think it can be in any sort of category. So it's not just about how to be an artist. It's really just like how to think in a more open-minded way or how to see opportunities or how to kind of, you know, march to the beat of your own drummer a little bit. That sounds cliche, but I think that book is just a really good source of inspiration for me. And I lend it out to everybody. Um, If you're thinking financially, um, my favorite book is Your Money or Your Life by Vicki Robin, that I think is just a really good way to do kind of some of the stuff I was talking about earlier, which is aligning your spending to what really brings the most happiness and value to your life. And she has this really wonderful way of thinking about it, which is to put your money in terms of the life force that it represents, which for me was like mind blowing and game changing this idea that it's not about like what reward it can buy, but like this dollar, it took me some time to earn this. And that is a representation of this limited, uh, vital force that I have. And that really helped me save a lot. So I think for anybody who needs some kind of financial correction in your life or just some inspiration, that's a really, really good one.
1: Tanya, we've absolutely loved hanging out today. Do you have any other, any other last piece of advice before you go? And then we'll say goodbye.
0: Uh, yeah, I think the biggest thing is, regardless of what your financial goals are, if you're paying off debt, if you're saving to buy a house or a car, or saving to have a kid, or um, trying to do, you know, a longer-term goal like saving for early retirement, I think the biggest piece of advice is make sure that you're enjoying your life today as well. Don't don't sacrifice everything to get to that goal to where you're miserable now. Um, none of us are ever guaranteed tomorrow. Today is the thing we have, which is not to say live a total life of FOMO or spend all your money, but make sure you're spending at least a little bit on the. Thing things that, that truly do bring you happiness and that, that are helping you take care of yourself because yeah, we don't want to put all that joy off for later. We want to have some joy in the present as well.
1: Shane, as we've been hanging out with Tanya Hester, you can check out her blog at ournextlife.com. There's some great information there. Find out how she retired early and figure out where you are in your journey and plan for your future. And most importantly, find your happiness. Chainers, we hope you enjoyed today's episode and we really encourage you to continue the conversation on chainofwealth.com podcast. There you'll be able to find a transcript of everything that we discussed in this podcast episode and any other for that matter. You'll be able to search the site and leave any comments, ask any questions and we will get back to you. That's chainofwealth.com slash podcast. Lastly, we hope you enjoy the rest of your day. And catch you on the flip side.